Bum, 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 bum. It's time to gather outside. It's time to test the mics. It's time to get things started on the Bill Bradley pod tonight. Bum, 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 bum. It's time to talk some politics. It's time to argue sports. It's time to hear some rants and humorous retorts. It's the most collective, super progressive, inspirational, totally gestational. This is what we call the Bill Bradley pod. I really like that you bought a tambourine for like two seconds. I thought you were going to play it, and then you just went a cappella. Just for the bang. Jim Henson, yeah. eat your heart out. Yeah. Oh. I like jet-tacular. Did I get that in there? Yeah. Just jet-sational. Jet-sational. Yeah. Gestational, uh, jet-sational. I did not do jets. Gestational would have been perfect. I missed it. I, I said... Uh, ah, put it in the edit for next Inspirational. Week. Yeah. So um, this is not 100% accurate because... We are. It's not tonight. This for the first time, I believe, ever. We are recording before noon. Uh, no, we didn't. COVID we did punch. I think we oh, did. Maybe, maybe a couple times. Ones COVID, yeah. Oh yeah. It's, the o- early- it's always been Sunday. It, today Sunday, but it's always been Sunday mornings if we are met in the morning. Right. I just don't remember drinking a lot of coffee during. Um, yeah, there, there were football Sundays. We definitely. Yeah, that's games. right. Yeah, we probably did that. Um, and uh, there won't be rants because this is our seasonal focus. Uh, Our last one. Our last one on the debates, not our last seasonal focus ever, but our last one on the debates, which is... Rivalries. Rivalries, and we are talking the Lincoln-Douglas rivalry. Um, So get your uh, sophomore history brains on because we're going to be going through this. How you doing, Zach? Doing well. I can't decide if it's chilly or not. It's but chilly. It, it is. You're okay. in a t-shirt, though, so you can't call it chilly. That's right. Like, you're in the hoodie, and he's in the long sleeve, and then my dad and I are in short sleeve, and I'm like, are we are we the assholes here? No. We, no. I just prefer to be comfy. <laughs> yeah, if you don't hear me talk for three minutes, it was when I went inside to get on a hoodie. Wardrobe change. <laughs> so, Zach, what is the name of the daycare that Maggie uh, attends and then gets everyone to break out of? I just <laughs> talked about this episode of the Capitol the other day. It is the Ayn Rand School for Babies. School for Tots. School yes. for Tots, yes. That ding, 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 ding. That is a winner. How are you, Andrew? I understand you had some, uh, you went hunting with, a, with an Oldsmobile, is the thing. <laughs> for sure. Uh, more uh, Hyundai accent, to be more precise. But, um, yeah, not ideal. But I'm, uh, I'm hanging in. Did the deer live? I think so. It took <laughs> off. You know what I mean? It did the whole kind of, like, shocked kind of gallop back into, like, the foliage and... That was not. I, I and then died fucking peacefully. Yeah, that's, that's what usually it happens. Died peacefully. Like they, remember, we, remember we came upon that deer at yeah. Shinnecasset where it clearly had probably been hit by a car and was on its like last legs. So there's a chance Literally. you see this beer, this, not this beer, <laughs> this, this, beer. About, <laughs> this deer uh, this afternoon when we're on the corner. This was like 16 hours ago, so we'll see if it lasted yeah. that long. But yeah. All right. So I, I, I came up with multiple dead or alive and finally settled on this one. The Denver Nuggets had never played in an NBA final before this year. But they did play in an NBA an ABA final, final losing to the Jets. On uh, Nets, I'm sorry. The Nets team featured a guard from New Haven, Connecticut, who had his number retired by the Nets and led the nation in scoring as a high school senior at Wilbur Cross, averaged over 27 points a game for uh, New Mexico University, and once averaged almost 30 points a game for the Nets. His younger brother, Jiggy, also starred at Cross and won a, a state title and later was a star at URI. Who is he, and is he dead or alive? Michael Ray Richardson. Super John Williamson. Um, is he dead or alive? Dead? Yeah, he's dead. But Jiggy's dead. They neither. Both of them had uh, uh, severe diabetes issues. Weird, weird career for Super John Williamson, who was traded... To the Nets, three different times. He was traded between the Nets traded him to Toronto. Toronto traded him to the Nets. The Nets traded him to Toronto. Toronto traded him to the Nets. He was kind of a crazy man. But uh, his, six, his numbers retired by the Nets. His numbers retired oh. by the Nets. Weirdly enough, uh, you, when you look at these old stats, his career three point shooting percentage is like thirteen <laughs> percent from three. That's like because they're all just half court heaves. Um, and the NBA is not even acknowledging the three-pointer at this time. The ABA does, but the NBA doesn't. NBA until, like, does, I think, at the end of his career. It yeah. comes back, yeah. 82, 83, around. Yeah, right. He, right. He won, uh, they won the title. It was the last ABA title in 76. All right. So to turn to less contemporary issues, things that are 
less contemporary than a 47-year-old uh, championship of a de- uh, defeated league or a defunct league. I disagree. You can't know where you are unless you know where you've been. Mm-hmm. This is a period sure, of... Sure you can. <laughs> sure I mean, you can. Amne- I've seen Memento. Amnesia, <laughs> he always yeah. Knows, he always knows where he is. Um, he's got tattoos. All right. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln just tattooed to the hills. Fire McCutcheon. <laughs> anyway. Um, so we're going to talk about the Lincoln-Douglas debates. Uh, for those of you, and the, this rivalry, for those of you who do not remember... These were not presidential debates. U.S. Senate debates. And, and importantly, they were not speaking to the public. They were speaking to the legislature. Correct. Because up until 1912 or 13, 12 or 13. The 17th Amendment. 17th Amendment uh, allowed for a direct election of the senator. So up until this point, the state legislature uh, appointed the Senate. And in Illinois, they were split not between two parties, but between three parties with the Democrats, the Whigs, and the Republicans. Correct. This is the de- this is the death rattle for the Whigs. Um, I believe this is the last election the Whigs are even a part of. I right. think they Be- collapse before 1860. Because the Republican Party comes in 56 with John C. Fremont running yeah. for, for um, president. Uh, and this was 54. The debates are 54. 58. 58, that's right. The debates are 58. So the, the Republicans run in 56. The Whigs are trying to hang on. Lincoln famously was a Whig. Uh, he was in the legislature as a Congress as a Whig, and then leaves the Whig Party for the Republican Party when it forms in '56, which has a more coherent uh, anti-slavery policy than the Whigs, which were kind of all over the place. Yeah, I mean, this is when you hear modern-day Lauren Boebert or Marjorie Taylor Greene say, "Well, you know, the Democrats did slavery." I mean, yeah, they're oh. 100% correct, is that the Democratic Party in 1858 and 1860 was the party of slavery. Republicans were the party of abolition. Lincoln would not make it as a Republican today. No. Douglas would have. Correct. We should also point out that multiple state legislature, uh, state Republican platforms, are on the repeal of the 17th Amendment. Yes. Because... The problem is you can't gerrymander Senate districts. And the Republicans are aware that if they can't gerrymander, they can't win. So that is why, and the uh, Illinois was significantly gerrymandered. Yes. Um, to the Democrats' benefit. Benefit. Um, to, to, you know. They didn't, even, they didn't even draw the lines thinking of the Republicans. They just kept their Democrats in power, even though Illinois was a slave, was a free state at the time. Well, um, spoiler alert, Douglas wins this election, but, um, the state legislators, he, they win it in the house. Uh, I mean, in the, in the legislature, 54, 46, but the 46 per, uh, people who voted for Lincoln represented 56% of the popular vote. Lincoln won by about 30,000 votes. Right. Um, but unfortunately that's not the way it works and, and just the way it doesn't work in, Con- <laughs> just the way it doesn't work now in, in Wisconsin, Overwhelmingly, the legislate the the uh, people vote Democrat, and the Republicans have a supermajority. Yeah, because just, they put all the Democrats in one area. But anyway, so let's let's get back to this. Um, this debate starts in part because Douglas gets annoyed that Lincoln is simply following him from place to place, and and just speaking the day after, which is a strategy that should still happen today. I don't understand why they don't do this today. Let the Santas go to talk, and then Trump follows him. And then, you know, Vivek Ramswani comes in third, batting cleanup. Tim Scott batting eighth. Yeah, Tim Scott batting eighth, hitting the Mendoza line. Um, But that this was because not only was Lincoln following Douglas uh, and just giving basically a rejoinder to Douglas's speech— uh, the day after, but the pro Lincoln papers, because back in those days, you know, oh, surprise, the pa- the media had a bias. Uh, the Republican papers all really attacked Douglas for refusing to debate Lincoln. Correct. And it's- Douglas, who was the incumbent, had nothing to gain by debating Lincoln. Right. He only had the he only had stuff to lose, which Lincoln knew. Um, my friend, your friend Jan. 
uh, my boss, who ran for state senate, was in a position where she was running against a far-right Republican lunatic. And um, and the problem was, do you debate him? Because you know what he's going to do. He's going to interrupt. He's going to not answer the questions. He's going to attack her personally. Like, it's all going to be insanity. And they said, well, you're running for the first term. You really have to debate him. And she goes to the debate. And she was a little nervous at the start because he kind of just looms, like Trump did. He kind of looms over her. He attacks her personally. And gradually she settled in. And she got really good reviews uh, from the local press on this. But afterwards, uh, some of the Democrat, you know, head, heads of the Democratic Senate committee said, yeah, we're never debating this guy again. Like, there's no purpose to it. You've, you, you've proven you can debate him once. You won the debate. Why are you doing this? Why are you going through personal attacks? Well, one thing we should get into, because debates now, modern debates, really since it's only gotten worse since Kennedy-Nixon in the 60s, which we talked about very briefly on a prior episode, uh, is that debates now are, you know, you get a minute, they get a minute, or a 30-second response, somebody else gets a 30-second response, everybody has to talk in these kind of one-minute truncated uh, sent, you know, speeches, sound bites. Sound bites. Uh, so they, it's very difficult to actually dive into policy or have a discussion about policy. Andrew, what was the difference with the Douglas-Lincoln debates? I think it's interesting, if not coincidental, that why this is kind of is so notable in the, in the moment is that it's the kind of the beginning of like modern news in a way. There's technology and infrastructure that the content of these debates can kind of like get out to people. There's more exposure. Um, and I guess the way, and this is the infancy of, of, of news coverage, the infancy of like covering like politics and policy. And as news media has evolved over the last 150 years plus, you know, we've become so much more inclined to, and it gets worse every day. It's, it's, it's sound bites, it's, it's clicks, it's headlines, it's little, it's like truncated one sentence, just like blurbs. Whereas in the moment in the 18, you know, late 1850s, you've got the kind of the Associated Press at its infancy and, and they're getting kind of, we're not trained as people to kind of, you know, we're, we're much more kind of inclined then to kind of hear the broad strokes. Um, a century and a half of, of news evolution. And we've gotten to a point now where, again, it's, it's, this is the farthest away from digital that we ever had, the farthest away from, uh, do you guys see what I'm trying to say? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, well, it's, it, it's the, the, it, it was the attention the, span of the American, of the human race does not allow for this format. Yes, yeah, 60, the, by, 60 minutes, 90, 90 minutes, 30 minutes. Right. The first person spoke 60. Then there was a 90-minute rebuttal and then a 30-minute closing by the guy that had the 60. I think a couple things come up. B, how fucking starved people were for entertainment in the 1850s. Like, I mean, there's just nothing. I mean, people sat around and sang, and they did this, and people, oh, that was better. No, I don't think it was better. Um, and secondly, um, it doesn't really seem to be a format that makes any sense, even given the time. 60 minutes to make your, if it takes you 60 minutes to make your point, and they're talking about one issue. 60 minutes to make your point, 90 minutes to rejoin it, and then you get to finish with 30 minutes? Going second was not helpful there. And I think, you know, what Andrew was getting at was the complete rise in technology because trains were new. Like, they used to carry news by horseback. Now they were carrying it by trains. So these, essentially these speeches were being made, being given to a journalist who then used a train to bring it someplace else in an hour. And because they were so close to Chicago, which had trains to the east and the west, these became national debates. Uh, and and, and they, they also had invented the stenography machine. Yes. So, soft, it's soft technology. Yeah, right. It's right. It's, well, right. It's um, shorthand. Yeah, right. But um, so they were able to get everything done in, in, in short amounts of time. But clearly... Lincoln clearly saw this as a kickoff to a presidential campaign. 
much the way Beto O'Rourke th- saw his race with Ted Cruz. Um, as this is going to kick him into the stratosphere. Um, well, I mean, but the, for him, it worked. The thing that Lincoln is most similar to here is Obama's O four DNC keynote address. Right, was one one event that launches you into the stratosphere. Obama had it with this. Lincoln had it with these debates. He turned these debates into a book and then sold it. And sold a lot of them. Yes. Sold a lot it's of books. Pretty quite literally what Obama was the audacity of hope. The audacity. Oh, it's um, basically what Obama did. Yeah. Right. yeah. And Obama, I mean, Obama knew what he was doing. He announced basically where Lincoln announced in Chicago. Yes, he, he announced you, it. You woke he, me, even though I was for Bill Richardson, you woke <laughs> me up to watch it. I wanted you to see the next president of the United States, and you did. I did. Uh, because, and that speech was incredible. Was, yeah. I mean, um, so, all right, so let's talk a little bit about the policies themselves. Of the, uh, like, of the time of where, well, this, uh, is, this is a, if history doesn't repeat itself, it's certainly rhyming right now <laughs> right. of where we were as a country in 1858 and where we are now in 2023. So, Douglas is, Douglas was basically a one-idea man. Yes, and his idea was popular sovereignty, which means what? Basically that it is the right of the people. Um, in this context, the idea that it is the decision of the people, not the federal government, whether or not to, I guess, codify or enact slavery into these new uh, new American lands. Right. Uh, yeah, he, he wrote the Compromise of okay. 1850 with uh, John Calhoun from South Carolina. Not a good guy. Not a good guy. <laughs> uh God, well, he had a quote. I'll remember it at some point. Um, but it was not good. Any relation to Jim? <laughs> uh, well, maybe. He was a less corrupt. That's a, a yeah, forefather. Well, less corrupt. Okay. Um, but this led to uh, Bleeding Kansas, which was our first civil... Well, our second civil war. Our first civil war was the Doyle Rebellion in Rhode Island. Or the Whiskey Rebellion. Yeah. That's probably the third. Um, but the Bleeding Kansas, where... People took the idea of national sovereignty and put it into effect, which was pro-slavery people moving to Kansas and pro-abolition people moving to Kansas to make Kansas a <clears throat> slave or free state, and they just ended up killing each other. Right. I mean, it's it's literally where Jesse James got his start. And it reminds me of um, Wild Wild West, that uh, documentary. I thought you were talking about the Will Smith movie. No, no, the uh, <laughs> uh, where the... Um, the Bahwani moves all the homeless people into this area so they can win the lo- a municipal election. And yeah, then, don't, don't give away all my tricks to winning. Right. He, he, gets, he brings in homeless people throughout the country, flies them in, in, in kind of a Brian Kemp, Ron DeSantis move, flies them in, has them vote, and then they fly them back out, just drop them off somewhere else. So because obviously having no community seeks the homeless. Uh, but they did because they all voted, and oh. and then they moved them out. It was genius. That's what happened in Kansas. It was a disaster. Popular sovereignty was the compromise position for slavery. You know, they weren't saying, oh, because it's not saying you're a slave state. They're saying, well, the people decide. Ex- so it's so it's it's this compromise position that all it did was kick the can down the road in 14 years before the Civil War. It's also not a compromise. Because you define popular as white men. Yes. So the people who are being enslaved get nothing to say. And women who were more likely to be abolitionists than men also didn't get to vote. And so the economic and then the economic interests would come in because very few people owned slaves. Yes. It was the wealthy that owned slaves. And they'd come in and make everybody vote the way they wanted. And so... It wasn't really a compromise, but what it does do is it takes the geographic line out of it, which had been the previous one. You can't; there will be no slavery yeah, above the, the Mason-Dixon line. Basically, yeah, basically, right? Right. It was basically there will be no slavery above the Mason-Dixon line, except where it already exists, which was like Maryland. Douglas gets himself into kind of some hot water with the. I think the second debate is the Freeport debate, yes. where he puts forth the Freeport, I guess, doctrine and right. the idea that you know there's popular sovereignty is kind of a double-edged sword. And Douglas kind of alienates a lot of the more ardent, the, the more ardent Southern wing of the Democratic Party at the time, where he does support popular sovereignty—the idea that you know the people can decide 
uh, whether, you know, to codify slavery or not. Well, what, you know, what a lot of Southern Democrats want to do is they, they think that slavery should be codified in every state. Well, they, but if you don't believe in federal overreach, which Douglas does not principally, Lincoln immediately capitalized on this. Mm-hmm. Because, Lincoln puts the question to him. He kind of tries right. to like the idea well, of like Dred Scott and Papa Summer, how well, can these things coexist? And, well, yeah, Bruce, Douglas is saying Dred, the Dred Scott decision, which, oh my God. 1857. 1857, uh, the runaways, they also... It, well, the, well the, the Dred Scott decision said that if you are property, you are always property. Yeah. And that the the... The government does not have the right to remove property rights from people. So, so what it basically does is it says slavery exists everywhere. Yeah, it it's if, the Fugitive Slave Act. Right. Well, that's right. what it gets codified into. Right in in law. Right, but but the Dred Scott decision even goes beyond that. Yeah, and this is very similar to what we see in the abortion debate today, where the the fallback position has become. Yeah, but you get to vote on that. Like, people get to vote whether it, because it, well, and part of this is because it was a state's right issue as opposed to a property issue. Um, because the idea that women have autonomy over their own body is not even considered uh, an issue. But um, by the courts, by this court. Um, but what Lincoln does is puts them, puts them on that fork. Do you support the Dred Scott decision? The Dred Scott decision says popular sovereignty doesn't exist. And Douglas, in a move that is too smart by half, says that's not true because you can direct the police through popular sovereignty. So basically you're directing them to ignore the law, which, by the way, Connecticut is done on abortion. Yes. Yeah, we're ignoring the law. We're ignoring the law on... Uh, we have our own laws. Imiprofen or whatever the, the abortion... Mifprostone. Mifprostone. I got it right so many episodes in a row, and then I just... It's just gone. But... Yeah, we're just going to ignore that policy on Mifperstone. What are you going to do about it? So that's what Douglas does. Well, that alienates everybody because who's that pleasing? The, the, the slavery people felt like they already won. The Dred Scott decision decided this. And I think Lincoln, you have to remember, these people are giving 60-minute arguments. So they're giving multiple, like they're really able to hammer these points home. But Lincoln, I think knowing the technology at the time really takes advantage of the fact that his audience is not just the state legislature. His audience is not just Illinois. His audience is national. And he makes the argument that this will allow uh, free states to become slave states, that Illinois can become a slave state now because of popular sovereignty in the Dred Scott decision, which enforces this, makes it even easier for these free states to become slave states, which Douglas really has no response to. Doug, he can't make it. He he pisses off the Southern Dems because they're like, wait a minute, we just won. Slavery is illegal everywhere. It pisses off the abolitionists because the abolitionists want no slavery. Well, because they just looked at what happened in Kansas, too. It's like yeah. you, you can manipulate the the voting outcome. It It's really... What these debates, I I found some of the transcripts. I didn't read all of them because... There's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think Lincoln's book is like 400 pages or something. But you re- they're both very good. Like, Douglas is extremely talented. Um, yes. He was known to be a great orator, al- although utterly without humor, which obviously against Lincoln is an issue. Yeah. Yeah. In the same way, um, like, Reagan was funnier in... What, 84 and then Mondale. Yes, Mondale's the least funny human being yeah. who ever lived. Um, but Lincoln, I think, like just really knows once once he has this in on Douglas, I think he knows he's got him. He he's he's got him at a national level. Yes. Because it's, yeah, exactly. Well, because this race is over before it starts. Douglas is gonna win. Yeah, you know, you know what the legislature. There people are gonna vote on party lines. It's it's like, well, you know. Back here at the legislature all the time, people are going on and on and on about these bills. It's like, well, none of this matters. We already know what the vote is. Yeah. What is the utility of the debate, if that is the case? Minus, obviously, we talked about Lincoln's using this as a platform, you know, the jumping off point for a presidential run in 1860. Well, but if I, if we agree that that is kind of like the so is Douglas. going to I, be the result. I, right. th- I think because they 
the Republicans knew what they were going to do. The Democrats knew what they were going to do. But we had a third party involved. They were fighting over who the Whigs were going to support. And the Whigs, you know, not jumping too far ahead, but the Whigs end up supporting Douglas, which just puts Douglas over. Right. Like, it was Douglas was pretty much going to win, and then that just slammed it home. But, of course, it's also a national issue of what are the Whigs going to do. Because the Whigs are at the end of their death spiral, right? I mean, Abraham Lincoln was a Whig. He became a Republican. A lot of Whigs became Republicans. Some Whigs became Democrats. Uh, kind of moderate Dems um, more than. Yeah, and, they, and and Douglas was a moderate Dem. He, I mean, for the time. Well, he know, was a North. Yeah, he was a Northern. The Democrats were the party of slavery, and he was a Northern Democrat. You know, it's like. Look at he's from northern. Yeah, Illinois is not really north, but it's north. It's next to Lake Michigan. It's also very long. All right, it's it's also next to Arkansas or something. But it's like Douglas was like in Connecticut. The best example would be, you know, the Republicans were like the city Dems, or the Southern Dems would be like the city Dems, and then he was like a Fairfield County Dem. We're like they're more moderate. They're not as extreme. You know, like if it was going to be, he's because he's not a pro-slavery person. He's just well, not an anti-slavery person. No, he's kind of pro-slavery because he goes after. He, I mean, well, yeah. there, there are pic, there are pictures. He it, wherever you know at every debate, Douglas shows a picture of a white man, a black woman, woman. and and a mixed race baby, and you know, and says this is the this is the um point you know this is abraham lincoln's point and so there are many lincoln quotes in this in these debates that do not age well at all and make you really reconsider and i I would say two things a lincoln can't get too far on the abolitionist side because that's that argument's not winning in the country um and b lincoln's feelings about race i think really changed over over the over the remaining seven years of his life because because he was the president during the Civil War and saw and understood the issue far more in depth. But I mean this is a man who's from Kentucky. But let's let's hit on this for a second, which is where Lincoln had his in against Douglas attacking popular sovereignty and Dred Scott and saying they're intrinsically connected. Douglas is able to really hit Lincoln effectively um, on and put Lincoln on the defensive saying that Lincoln wants equal rights uh, for blacks and whites, that he wants, you know, voting rights. He wants employment rights. He wants that. He wants full equality to which Lincoln has to essentially make a segregationist argument to defend himself. It's not essentially, it is a segregationist argument. And does he actually w- want those things? Is that are those actual platforms of his? They be, they become platforms. You listen in the to, moment in like no yeah in, in fifty eight no he's not there in sixty four at the second election he's there like you know he's I mean it's not a mis- it's not surprising that no, it was after his death Douglas, but the full voting rights yeah. go to blacks you know for for six years and they're still trying to get them back but like. Douglas definitely hits them on those things. I just wonder, is he, just, is yeah. he just kind of like not making them up? But are these actual things that, you know, Lincoln well, had publicly advocated well, for? Well, Lincoln, Lincoln in his House Divided speech, which Obama completely ripped off with his Two America speech. Yeah. It's the same fucking speech. <laughs> um, the House Divided speech, which basically says like, yeah, whites and blacks cannot exist with, an, with a superior and an inferior race. They are... Like whites shouldn't own black people. Black people have rights of themselves, liberty. That the constitute that the Declaration of Independence. Now I remember the John Calhoun quote. Lincoln, uh, the House divided speech, essentially argues that black people deserve full liberty, given in the Declaration of Independence. And Douglas and Calhoun's response that the Declaration of Independence is flawed. But it is like you look at it, and they're only debating slavery, but they're not debating. Should slavery, yes or no, like it's a binary choice, Douglas is trying to make it a binary choice, and Lincoln is trying to argue that it's more complicated than that, that it's not a yes or no. 
You know, that's at least what I what I look at it this that that's which in the context of like the times obviously is fair. Obviously that has not aged well looking at it through like a twenty first century lens. But uh, in the in the time, I mean So so in the same debate in Ottawa, Illinois, not Canada, because you know, there would have been no purpose. Lincoln said, I hate indifference to slavery because of the monstrous injustice of slavery itself. I hate it because it deprives our Republican example of its influence in the world, enables the enemies of free institution with plausibility to taunt us in hypocrites because the real friends of freedom to doubt our sincerity, and especially because it forces so many really good men amongst ourselves into an open war with the very fundamental principles of civil, civil liberty criticizing the Declaration of Independence and insisting that there is no right principle of action but self-interest. That speaks very well to today, that there is no right principle of, uh, of action but self-interest. But then later on in the same debate, yeah, he comes back and says, I agree with Justice Douglas that he, the black man, is not my equal in many respects, certainly not in color, perhaps not in moral or intellectual endowment, but perhaps is doing a lot of work there. But in the right to eat bread without the leave of anybody else, which his own hand earns, he is my equal and the equal of Justice Douglas and the equal of every living man. So you see the line he's trying to walk there. That to say that he has equal rights doesn't mean he's equal. It just means he has equal rights. Just one thing on that that you meant, the perhaps doing a lot of work there. It, one of my favorite Lincoln quotes is one word. Or after the 13th Amendment was passed, he was asked by a reporter, does this mean black people will have the right to vote? And he just responded with, perhaps. Didn't say yes. Didn't say no. Perhaps. Right. I, it's genius. We call that wishy-washy today. <laughs> yeah, Mitt Romney sitting on the, <laughs> sitting on but, the fence. But I mean, but this is, you know, as as is today, I mean, the fractures in society have always been there um, in, in, in American society it, it, because... Because we are a land found on the stealing, we are a country found on the stealing of land from people of color and the enslavement of people of color. Um, we we have some issues that we that are always here. Lincoln was at a time where those issues came to the fore because of the nature of slavery and because people were speaking about slavery who had never been given a voice before. There were women abolitionists who at, were, were taking part in the, in the political discussion. Frederick Douglass existed. Nat Turner existed. These people brought that to the surface in a way that couldn't happen before. And that's happened again because Donald Trump has said, you know what, we have no underlying problems because I'm going to dig them all up and let them wander the countryside. And, um, you know, it's, it's like that... Uh, it's like that South Park episode where they build the, he builds the uh, the amusement park on the uh, Indian gravesite. You know, it's like it's yeah, you brought everything back to the future, uh, back to the pre- uh, to the surface. It is, I think, in many ways these debates. So Douglas was a person of the time of the now, and Lincoln was clearly a person of what's to come, of the future, like. Douglas is talking, you know, in, in some ways, this is the, the disadvantage of the incumbent is that you have a record. Douglas is giving a defense of his own record. The Compromise of 1850, the Freeport Doctrine. The vote against the Wilmot The vote against the Wilmot which, which Lincoln also voted on. Yes. You know, the, 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 all of these things, defending, defending his response to slavery, whereas Lincoln was arguing an end of slavery post slavery world he he believed clearly that if you could contain it it would die on its own and he was concerned about what trying to take it away completely would do um in a way that a lot of abolitionists said, william lloyd garrison just didn't care this is wrong i don't care about john brown john, right john brown i don't care what's going to happen it's wrong we're going to stop it now lincoln was was not there because he believed that the country had to be preserved, obviously. But of course, his election just brought it forward anyway. It didn't matter. Like he, he he wanted to walk a moderate path, but he wasn't a moderate person, and so it didn't happen. The one thing that frustrated me reading about this is that Lincoln clearly had a vision of where he wanted the country to go. And Andrew, I want to get your perspective on this because we lived through Obama and we've lived through many presidents doing this, except for Donald Trump. 
which is this theory of electoralism and incrementalism, where if we just win the elections and if we just do a little, you know, if we if we just keep going a little and we keep doing the right things on elections that we don't need revolutionary change, we don't need radical change, we'll just chip away at it. Instead of being like, no, we need full abolition now. You know, he was versus, you know, we look at modern day Democrats now. um, They don't, you know, they don't look at the economics of the world or trans rights of the world or LGBTQ issues and say we need a radical transformation of government. They just think if we keep winning abortion, if we just keep winning elections, eventually our policies will win. Proofs in the pudding. It's it's gotten worse here uh, in the last you know half century. I think there was a lot of hope, you know, with Obama that, that you know, Obama represented kind of a transition. Um, and he kind of in his in his two terms, you know, kind of did toe a pretty moderate line as well. Um, and that's at some point just became incredibly divisive to, you know, 35, 40% of this country. Um, look, where Lincoln, I think obviously the fallout, the civil war, the abolition of slavery. Um, now it's incremental change. It's, I, I just don't, I, I just see things getting like increasingly worse and increasingly divided and increasingly. And I don't know what the solution to that is. I don't know. The approach to take in terms of leadership at the top, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's that's what I was talking about with like with you know history rhyming is the the issue of the time was slavery, and the radical position was unpopular, so the incremental position had to be the popular one. And Douglas does try to take an incrementalist position, but so does Lincoln. But 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 the difference is. Douglas is trying to take an incrementalist position to take the status quo and expend, extend it to slightly more slavery in a slow way. Yes. Lincoln wants to take an incrementalist position that would kind of choke slavery because it would become economically unfeasible. There were Southern economists that believed that slavery was not financially substan- uh, uh, sustainable. To get back to the incrementalist issue for a second, you know, before we got on, you were talking about the fact that Connecticut just gave PTSD to state workers. And that was incremental change. That was incremental change. Started with the police. It started public with police, safety. Started with police and fire, then it went to corrections and dispatchers, and now it's to everyone. Right. And now it's to everyone. And Democrats have believed for a long time that that's the way things can happen. With Obama clearly believed that once we had the Affordable Care Act, then we would get a public option because we nearly got it. If it weren't for Connecticut's own Joe Lieberman, Joe Lieberman, we would have had a public option. And then we are way down the road for something that will help millions of people. What there are two things there was no way to predict. Well, there's two things that have gotten in the way. One is federalism. Because a number of states have behaved abominably about everything. Um, and these are states that, you know, don't provide services to their people. And it's, you know, you look at those those red states and judge them by economic growth or anything. It, it's always bad, educational levels. But then the other thing is we have a court system that just says, yeah, it doesn't matter how things change. I mean, it doesn't matter what you think. We, who are here because... We are we're elected by Republican presidents, and all but what two of them are. Yeah. Um, are it doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't matter what you think is going to happen. We're just going to change it. I mean, you know, the move to abortion came through the courts. The move away from it came through the courts. All of the changes didn't matter anymore. So, I have two questions for you guys. One, do you think, do you think Lincoln, after looking at these debates? Do you think Lincoln was more interested in protecting the rights of free states to remain free states than he was concerned about slave states continuing to be slave states? And do you think federalism at that time in 1858, that we've returned to that level of federalism now in 2023? I would say in the moment, the former, but I think that 
over time as he got older as he as he got into the presidency i think that kind of he started to believe the other side of that too he, at he, first it was about you know keeping free states free states and yeah i mean more, more interested in that and then i think again i think over as time evolved i think he well um, clearly i mean he wrote yeah. the emancipation proclamation sure. very quickly he just had to wait till it came out yeah. like wait we wait till we had some some um victories and also no one believed that the war would end and then you know and then west west virginia and, and maryland and kentucky would get to keep their slaves like nobody thought that um so so it was kind of taken out of his hands but Part of it was like, look, we need to stay together as a country. When the country said, you know, when the South said, no, we're not going to do that. It's like, oh, I was like, oh, fuck you. Then we're going to, you're going to lose your slaves too. And but, so, I mean, some of that was just the moment and he met the moment, which not every president does. Uh, no, no president before Lincoln met the moment on slavery. Certainly not Pierce. Certainly not Pierce, not Fillmore, not Buchanan, not any of them. Zachary Taylor uh, took the easy way out and died. Um, but uh, yeah, none, none of them did. But like we have, we have... Southern elected officials right now calling for a civil war, openly saying we need a civil war. We have media apparatus openly saying we need a civil war that the South is to see it again. Like, have we just returned to where we are? Are we just waiting for the inevitable at this point? Well, no, because state civil war, you know, Connecticut set their militia. There's no militia anymore. Right, I mean, there's barely any soldiers. Just we're going to shoot each other. I would this just would, use drones. This would last thirty minutes because all because of you know all of the manufacturers of the um, you know of, of of armaments are in the north, uh, as it was during the Civil War. Yeah. Um, that was the same issue. Yeah, the South was desperately trying to get France and I would, Britain on its side. I would. I mean, frankly, you know, if Texas wanted to leave, or Florida wanted to leave, that'll be fine. But they really don't. You know why? All their money comes from us. All their money comes from the federal government, which is applied by the North. Like, like that's just, you know, they, they bitch and moan about California and the Northeast and Illinois, and those are the states that pay more into the federal government than they take out of it. I don't think there's any Republican state that does. It, it was just, Edge, what do you think? I wholeheartedly agree with that, with, the, with what Ed just said. Um, look, we're never, there's not going to be a civil war. Um but there is a real just sort of intellectual fracture in this country that is just gets wider and wider um, by the day, it seems. And I, and I don't know what the answer to that is. Um, yeah, I mean, how to it, stop that bleeding. I, when, I, I when, don't. Yeah, when politicians say, like, we've never been more divided, it's like, well, we fought a war, so we have <laughs> right. been more, like, sure. we, we've been more divided. I'm not sure we've been more divided absent a war. Like, looking over this, what they were debating, you know, the tens of thousands of people that were attending these debates and the election and what they were talking about, like we, if there was a nine, a three hour debate on abortion right now, we would tear the party. It would tear the country in half. We'd be torn in half over well, abortion. We'd abortion. be torn in half. No, 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 no we, 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 a million things. We'd be torn in two thirds, one third. Yeah. It's only about yeah. one third of the country. It's wants, the South, yeah. yeah. I mean, not even the South. It's just like one third of the country. We, we have that here yeah. too in Connecticut, but it's it's evangelical Christians. People thought the '60s were the most divided time. Well, the uh, government did kill students. The government killed students, and there were protests and everything. And but that wasn't really at all based on geography i mean you never i mean it's certainly not portrayed that way maybe it was it's just not portrayed that way that's a good point are we divide in during these debates they were divided geographically well not not illinois no no no, not illinois but they were they also they weren't talking to illinois no they were not they they were talking to the country you know in illinois you know every state's divided yeah. You know, Connecticut's divided state. Everyone thinks we're so blue. You know, Jesus Christ, we can't get a fucking income tax on millionaires. Like, but we are no longer, we are still somewhat divided geographically. Like, Florida, <laughs> Alabama, Louisiana. Um, it's, it's, it you know, is, the, the, dip, the, the, well, the Democratic states, I mean, the liberal states are the West Coast, the East Coast, the, the Northeast, and the Great Lakes region, Minnesota, uh, Minnesota, Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan, uh, uh, Wisconsin, 
Wisconsin votes Democratic. They're just not. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, and Illinois. Like that, those groups, that's where all the blues, blue, uh, that's the blue states. Uh, it, Which, by the way, is like 65% of the population in the country. The, when you were going through these debates, who do you think won them? You know, I mean, there really was no horse race coverage uh, back then as there is now. There were just like, there were Lincoln papers and there were Douglas papers. Um, but who do you think, like, I mean, obviously Lincoln wins the war, both figuratively and literally. Um, but these debates. Lincoln won, and not that the popular vote mattered, but he won by what? It was 180 I, to 140 or something? Yeah, there, or? It, I think it was 30,000 no. votes. Um, yeah. And obviously, I would personally agree with Lincoln. And I think he, again, he he did win a popular vote. So I I, I think. Ascended to the presidency in the wake. I, I would say uh, he won. I think that Douglas was trying to make a compromise on an issue that was not going to allow compromises. No. That Lincoln allowed, Lincoln's was somewhat a compromise position, but not remotely as, I mean, Douglas was trying to craft a compromise position. Um, and on many, like, you can't, we can't find compromise issues on anything right now. We can't find a compromise. Well, that's why these, these groups, these, you know, these moderate groups that try to get together. I mean, okay, they can prevent the debt ceiling and everybody's annoyed, but that's fine. That's, that's what you have to do to get that deal through. Um, but on issues like, you know, I mean, we had Jesus, people, we had, we had people vote against ghost guns. I mean, we had a Senator, uh, filibuster on that for seven hours to, so that we could allow to have unregistered ghost guns. It's like, what position is that? Yeah. I mean, Lincoln in Connecticut. Lincoln was creating a compromised position that ended slavery, and Douglas was creating a compromised position that continued slavery. And actually expanded it. it yeah. Um, I mean, I think Lincoln was incredibly impressive in these debates. Like, obviously, it launched his career. It shows his oratory skills. It shows his humor. Uh, it shows his ability not only to talk to the issue, but to talk beyond the issue. Whereas Douglas, as I said, was like almost singularly focused. And it, it also had to be weird to watch because Douglas was more than, I mean, Douglas was more than a foot shorter. Yeah, Lincoln was and, what, 6'4"? And, like, and, and, and Douglas was 5'2". Yeah. yeah he would have been the, he would have beaten Madison as the shortest president if he had won. <laughs> but let's, let's talk to could this exist now. Can you, in any world, on any news channel, see Donald Trump and Joe Biden stand up there for three hours? Can you imagine Joe Biden making a 60-minute argument and then Donald Trump making a 90-minute argument? Not a chance in hell. Well, they would both, they would both like just a, wander like a, off. I mean, a one-on-one, -on -one, no way, but... Who would watch it? Who would, I mean, like, I we're, we're policy, that would be awesome. We're policy walks. I'm not watching it. There's no way you would have to have your phone 30 miles from you to sit and listen to that without doing something else. I mean, 90 minutes on a topic? No, I couldn't do it. I if couldn't. You, I can't watch a I can't watch a 2-hour movie anymore. If you took to me if you were to take 5 or 6 whatever number of their top domestic policy, top foreign policy, top whatever, just their policy wonks, just put them on a stage and maybe that would be something with some kind of utility, but the, the, <laughs> Trump and Biden. I mean, if, like, if no, we wanted no Trump, Trump got a tight five. I mean, <laughs> and, and yeah, and I'm not like this. Just trying to say those people have any credibility, <laughs> but if you put experts in the field to ask questions, and you allowed not not just the president himself, not just the candidate, but their staff. To answer, because I mean, the world I think is just much more complicated now. There's just many more issues. Like they never talk foreign policy one second in any debates ever because it didn't matter. Um, but if you if you did that, you, you put experts, widely uh, respected experts, representing both sides, and they got to talk and you know and the panel discussions with both sides, you could do that. That would be very informative. It would be if you gave them like seven minutes per answer or something like that, or six minutes so they could discuss it in depth. You might be able to do that, and it would it would 
get ratings that Live Golf would laugh at. Like nobody's going to watch that. I mean, we would, but like nobody's watching it. That's that's kind the of the apparatus that, would have to platform it as, to make it seem important. All the cables that it, it would, would have, have to be, be presented as something that mattered. Where everybody have to shut down programming, and this is what's on across instead of every, like you know what I mean. Instead like, of like <laughs> CNN and <laughs> instead of like Max CNN and Fox News, it would have to be on like NBC, CBS, CBS Fox, and ABC. ABC. Yeah, the four networks. Um, yeah. but this is kind of like we. The debate structure we have now, where everybody talks in 30-second snippets, so nobody actually knows what the policies these people want other than sound bites, clearly is not working anymore. Except, like, people didn't... Trump didn't beat Hillary because people didn't know what Hillary stood for, right? Like, she had a record for it. Like, it's a different time. These people don't come out of... The, the last candidate, well, Trump came out of Trump came out of celebrity world, so like nobody Ob- really. Obama thought, was a one-term o- senator. Obama, Obama was the one. Obama's the one that yeah. kind of came out of nowhere. Although Clinton, I mean, nobody pays attention to Arkansas politics, but but I, I mean, who was the last president that really surprised you? I mean, Biden has surprised me a little bit because he's been more liberal than I thought he'd be. That's about it, but not a lot, just a little. Uh, Trump ran on a fairly economic liberal populist platform and then governed from an economic conservative platform. I I don't know what your IQ would have had to have been to think that a billionaire oh, wanted yeah. to oh, share for sure. wanted for sure. to say, you know what, tax me more. Um Oh yeah, for sure. I'm just saying like, you know, the way he ran versus the way he governed. Yep. You know, in terms of like being surprised. Like he ran on fucking expanding <laughs> Medicare. Governed on air quote in air yeah. quotes, yeah. Um but it is just right our attention spans have just been whittled down to little pencil nuts where, like, everyone, you know, everyone just pays attention to the 90-second clip on Twitter or the 90-second clip on Facebook or the 30-second clip on the news. Like, we have dumbed down our country because we are treating our country as if it's nothing but dumb people. Like, people can understand complex arguments if they are made in a way that allows them to hear it we just don't allow them to hear it anymore well but people also self-select not to hear it fair enough i mean you know i mean nobody yeah again, nope. again people turn on tucker carlson voluntarily not anymore i got one more story i wore a abraham lincoln for president tie somewhere and nancy wyman the lieutenant governor at the time democrat said why are you wearing a republican tie i said Nancy, we could agree that Lincoln should have won that race, right? Like that's like that he was the right candidate. Because I wish it didn't say the party. I said, eh, but it did. I don't know. But and that's where we are as a country. So with that, we'll see you next week on the Bill Bradley Collective. As always, we thank you for joining us here. And if you like today's episode, smash that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Let's help grow the collective brand. We'll see you all next week on the Bill Bradley Collective.